0: and live. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory is a theological concept that is crucial, but also complex. It's one of those biblical words that is familiar, but difficult to define precisely. What's clear from the scriptures is that glory is intimately connected to the person and work of God Himself. When biblical texts speak of God's glory, they're usually describing or responding to a revelation of God's being or a theological interpretation of God's mighty acts in redemptive history. The readings for this week pick up on just one of the threads that run through the grand storyline of the Bible about the glory of God revealed in the Old and New Covenants. Specifically, they reflect upon the response to beholding the staggering glory of God's character. In the book of Exodus, Moses receives a revelation from the Lord on Mount Sinai. Here the Lord establishes a covenant with the people. He receives the ten words, the book of the covenant, the instructions for the tabernacle, and the regulations for Israel's life. He also intercedes for the people after the covenant breach with the golden calf idolatry. After this disaster, the Lord calls Moses back up on the mountain to receive a new set of tablets and to hear a declaration of God's character. Moses asks God, Show me your glory. The Lord responds with speech and a declaration of his character. Moses hears God say, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in lovingkindness and truth, who keeps lovingkindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth in worship. These words and this collection of God's attributes becomes the blazing center of Israel's understanding of God's character. These fundamental realities are the means by which the prophets and poets of Israel interpret God's action in their midst. God is holy, he is also merciful. He is gracious in deliverance, but He is also righteous in judgment. Though there were many signs and wonders during the Exodus and at Mount Sinai, according to the Torah of the Lord, God's glory is revealed and beheld in the self-revealing declaration of His character. What's more, these divine encounters had a visible effect on Moses and the people. The latter part of Exodus 34 records this response. Verse 29 says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near to him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. The Lord had revealed himself, but not fully. The people heard the Lord's voice, but through Moses' mediating role. Moses' veiled face becomes a visual symbol that reminds the people both of the reality of revelation, but also the distance created by sin. God was with them, but he must be approached with caution and through the path that he has provided. Later in Israel's history, prophets and poets would reflect on the significance of God's special revelation and the nature of God's glory by alluding to this theological force field from Exodus. In Psalm 99, The poet begins with an exaltation of God's sovereign rule and ends with a reminder of God's character drawn from this prior revelation. The psalmist writes, The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty, he loves justice, you have established equity. In Jacob you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, he is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud, they kept his statues and the decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punish their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. In the Gospel of Luke, before his long journey to Jerusalem, Jesus takes some of his closest disciples onto a mountain and reveals his glory to them. In this scene, There are several echoes of Old Testament texts and theological themes from the Law and the Prophets. Luke records that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and went up onto the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice from the cloud came out, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. In this remarkably loaded encounter, Jesus is transfigured and seen by his disciples in a visual display of glory. The setting of the scene echoes the scene at Sinai as the clouds surround Moses and he hears from the Lord. On this mountain, too, there are clouds and a bright light, and a voice that speaks from the cloud. Moses had relayed what the voice of the Lord had said. The Father's voice here identifies the Son and commands the disciples to listen to His voice. When the Son speaks, the people will hear the voice of the Lord Himself. Just like at Sinai, the display of God's glory is directly connected to a declaration of God's special revelation. Jesus is the better Moses and the one who speaks a superior word. As Moses and Elijah stand beside him too, the disciples see an embodied assertion that the law and the prophets testify about Jesus as the Christ. As Peter's comments reveal though, this moment of transfiguration was but a whisper of God's greater glory. The clouds disappear and the disciples are left standing in the presence of Jesus, who will soon set his face like flint towards the cross in Jerusalem. The location of this transfiguration account, just at the point of the narrative where Jesus determines to make the final journey to Jerusalem, is a bit of Luke's narrative theology of the cross. The Son will display his glory through suffering, death, and resurrection. Part of the mystery of Incarnation is that God's power will be perfected through weakness. The Apostle Paul draws upon the theology of the cross that is so carefully developed in the Gospel narratives. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant that he secures and established through his perfect sacrifice of himself. The good news of the gospel is that believers can now experience relationship with God on the glorious terms of this new covenant. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The readings for this week have allowed us to consider at length the terror and beauty of the Lord's glory and also the profound depth of his grace. As believers in the new covenant and as careful readers of all the scriptures, we are now able to behold the glory of Christ with unveiled faces even as we long for the day when we will see God's glory without bodies and hearts tainted by sin. Praise the Lord for his grace.